0: And welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Guerra. And in today's episode, we are asking, will the rise of embedded finance make or break the fintech industry? We've previously spoken about embedded finance and the rise of non-financial players offering financial services in Fintech Insider episode 527, as well as our Decoding Banking as a Service series on YouTube. But if embedded finance has taken fintech's offerings mainstream and given the power to everyone, then who loses out because of that? And does that matter to consumers? We'll discuss this and more in today's show. But first, a brief word from our sponsors.
1: How will Web3 unlock the future of financial services and change the way we think about money? Our first ever Web3 report takes a deep dive into the biggest conversation taking place in finance. Unpacking tokens, stablecoins, ESG, DAOs, DeFi, regulation, and so much more. We also take a look at the opportunities it presents for your business. For crypto natives and newbies, head to 11FS.com forward slash Web3 report to download it today and get Web3 ready.
2: Let's face it. Cards were not designed for online. Payments can take days to settle, hurting customer loyalty, while high fraud, clunky checkouts and expensive fees means millions in missed revenue. At TreeLayer, we've made instant payments available for businesses across Europe and the UK, so you can cut costs, fight fraud, and get money moving faster. To learn more, visit treelayer.com forward slash payments.
0: Let's get started. As always, I'm all joined by a panel of amazing guests who can shed some light on all things embedded finance. First off, I'm joined by Annabel Perez, the president and CEO of Novo Payment. Uh, so, welcome to the show, Annabel. Can you give the audience a brief overview of Novo Payment? And I, you have a bit of news as well about something that recently happened. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me and, and, and have the possibility to share this moment with the amazing panelists. I'm Annabel Perez, uh, co-founder and CEO of Novo Payment. We're based in Miami, uh, a fintech uh, infrastructure enabler, providing APIs and other set of tools to banks, uh, fintechs, neobanks, merchants, and acquirers, so they can build and deploy financial and payment use cases. And and recently, um, we announced our first institutional round, our Series A, and we're very happy to be supported by great investors, uh, also based in, in,
0: in Miami. Brilliant. Thank you. We also have a FinTech Insider debut from Mark Vermirsch, Chief Platform Officer at Treasury Prime. Welcome, Mark. Can you tell us a little bit about Treasury Prime?
1: Sure thing. Thanks for having me, Gora. And uh, nice to meet you both, Annabelle and Ruth, as well. So Treasury Prime is a modern banking platform. As part of my role as Chief Platform Officer, I run our product partnerships and uh, do some broader strategic work across the company. Um, but primarily at Treasury Prime, what we do is build a set of APIs that we deploy to banks across the United States, and then we look to introduce fintechs to those bank partners. Um, and when I say fintechs, you know, I, I'm thinking about you know the pure play neobanks who are building uh, maybe their own branded banking experience for a specific type of end user segment, or embedded finance clients. You know, probably hear what we're Going to spend most of our time talking about, but those folks whose principal product or business is not a financial product or service, but rather are looking to embed a banking thing, deposit account, payments, etc, uh, to make their core product experience better. Treasury Prime through its APIs seeks to facilitate and align the interests of banks, fintechs, and partners who want to work together to bring financial experiences. Directly to where customers are, meet customers where they're at.
0: And last but not least, making a welcome return to FinTech Insider, we've got Ruth Fox Blader, partner at Anthemis. Thank you so much for coming along, Ruth. What can you tell us about Anthemis and your interest in
4: embedded finance? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Anthemis is an investment firm focused on positive change in financial services um, we actually published an embedded finance white paper in 2019. Um, we've we've been thinking and talking about this space for a long time, certainly since I joined the firm five years ago. Um, it's a core part of our investment thesis that financial services as an industry um, isn't a vertical, but actually is sort of horizontally impacts um not only the economy, but also society. And so we see it as kind of the nervous system of society and fundamentally important to multiple industries where we look to invest.
0: Great to have you all here. Let's dive in. Wonderful panel of embedded finance nerds. So let's do it. So let's start by looking at, you know, why is everyone so damn excited about embedded finance? Um, Oracle predicts that embedded finance, the embedded finance market will be worth $7 trillion by 2030. Um, what is all this excitement about, Ruth? How key is embedded finance to Anthemus's future strategy?
4: Yeah, so it's been key to our strategy really, from jump. Uh, as I said, it's it really uh, forms how we think about the financial services industry and the positive change that we want to effectuate, really making financial services more accessible, more inclusive, more diverse, um and really ensuring that, you know, people have access to the kind of variety of financial services, regardless of where they live in the world or, you know, what their backgrounds are. Uh, Embedded finance, you know, for us means as, as I said before, um, being able to look really across industry verticals at the financial services element of a business. And that means that, you know, Anthemis, as a venture capital firm focused on fintech, um, is making investments in sort of classic fintech companies, but also companies that you would never think of as fintech companies, you know, companies that are doing medical devices or um, mobility companies, uh, you know, th- looking at things like agriculture, um, climate, uh, education, really, really a broad view on the economy and really looking at particularly assisting our portfolio companies with building the financial services component of their business, which might be an adjacent revenue stream. And it might also come to um, formulate a large part of the proposition to their customer base.
0: That's great to hear that from like an investment standpoint. Let's let's go to people who are operating in the space. So, Annabelle, you have been, you know, like you said, bootstrapped for so long. You guys have been hustling for a while. What led you into embedded finance? What's so exciting about this space for you guys?
3: Well, we have been delivering APIs to railing Hailing, delivery companies uh, and other organization for over six, seven years and helping them to integrate financial services within their mission critical processes and as a consequence of that, they have been able to reduce their cost and been able to serve better their stakeholders. And we do that in 14 markets uh, today here in the U.S. and in 13 countries across Latin. And the beauty of embedded finance is that, um, is that it's the ultimate expression of what we do in a fintech infrastructure because we are the invisible engine behind all of those uh, use cases. And 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 clients don't even know uh, that they're using bank products or fintech products, or some organization don't even realize they are expanding the performance of their brand beyond their core business. So, the, uh, as Ruth mentioned, the beauty of embedded finance is that you are cross-connecting uh, different uh, organizations that represent different verticals, but providing services to common customers.
0: Right. And it's truly embedded. Mark, why are you in this space? What gets you excited about embedded finance in 2022?
1: Yeah, I think about embedded finance is is simply meeting customers where they are with a financial product that makes their user experience better. So give you an interesting example, I worked for a fintech company called Affirm in a past life. Everyone's probably familiar with Affirm, you know, it's been tagged with like the bay not, Buy Now Pay Later mantra, You're kind of in that space. And I think about the unique thing about Affirm as I think about it as an embedded finance product, right? Affirm is deployed across a universe of, you know, tens of thousands of merchants and they meet a customer with a financial product right at the point where they're about to buy something. And I think it's that sort of experience that delights customers, you know, in their purchasing journey. It allows them to buy something they might not be able to otherwise because of this financial product. And I think for a firm specifically, uh, one thing I really like about them is the fact that their financial product has no late fees, no hidden fees. You're never going to pay more than than you agree to up front. And so it's meant to also be a healthier financial product. And so when I think about embedded finance i think about you know companies working together with banks and partners and users to create a more holistic experience around a specific brand or entity ultimately just enabling a healthier life as it pertains specifically to banking and financial products
0: and that, that sounds like you're, you're you're alluding to, like, a customer-first approach that's, like, just putting the customer first. I mean, everyone says customer first, blah, 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 blah. But, like, actually being customer first means, like, really truly solving for their problems. And who does that better than non-financial services institutions, right? Like, people want financial services at the point of need. Uh, you know, like I, I think that um, earlier on, Mark, we were talking before we started recording. Uh, you said that you could talk for hours and hours about embedded finance. I'm going to kind of turn to a certain topic, which is around you know the winners in this space, or or who you know could potentially be winners. So you know, with with the with the goal of embedded finance uh, bringing advantages to non traditional financial players, getting into the financial services and, uh, business. Um, it seems that the, the arching goal of this is to take power back from traditional banks and at least, like, empower customers, um, you know, meet them at their point of need. So we've seen recently players, like, call them crop up. So William Hawkey, the co-founder of Plaid, launched this new venture. Uh, basically, they acquired a community bank for the license, really. Um and shelled out fifty million dollars last year to acquire the bank. And now they're offering services that fintechs would previously have had to use multiple providers for. Um so is this something that like plays like this that you see in the space mark? Are like are these driving embedded finance adoption across the board? Like having a bank like a banking license be owned by a like FinTech Tech Native?
1: Yeah, I think column's a great idea. I could as I was mentioning earlier, <laughs> I could talk about column all day. Because I truly think it's it's a fascinating take on on pulling the bank ecosystem to where it, it needs to be. You know, I think the unique thing about Column is the fact that they're going to have great margins because they have a bank and great technology because they have a very forward thinking, uh, you know, owner, and ultimately will have a very forward thinking user base uh, based on some of their initial clients. And when I think about column, I think about, you know, columns really trying to engage a specific community, right? They're trying to engage a community of, of developers or builders um, looking to do different things or, or more difference, probably the wrong word, um, you know, better meet their customers with a financial product or service that works better for them by creating more, bespoke elements of the user journey from like the APIs on down to the financial product itself, right? They're creating different infrastructure layers that developers can use to better engage their customers. I think the interesting thing about Column, though, is it's fundamentally still a community bank, right? It's a tiny bank in Northern California. It's in Chico. And the U.S. banking system as a whole is very fragmented. There's like $19 trillion in U.S. deposits Columns of four hundred million dollar community bank. I'm confident that they're going to have an amazing bank for the community they're trying to engage. But I think it's because of the regulatory dynamics of the U.S. banking system. It's it's very highly regulated. Regulators hate risk. They're looking about systemic changes. Like their growth is fundamentally going to be constrained. What would be awesome is if there was like a thousand columns out there competing to like better engage certain types of communities. I don't think that's the case, given the regulatory appetite of you know the US government right now. But when I think about what Treasury Prime is trying to do is acknowledging the fact that the US banking system is super fragmented and giving lots of banks tools to better engage communities that they specialize in. And I think about embedded finance as just Companies working with banks that are best served to help their community uh, better meet their user base with a financial product or experience. Um, that's that's what I think about as embedded finance. I think about it as just banks meeting customers where they are. Yeah, it's exciting.
0: Ruth, I'm going to come to you. I'm um, like with the news of companies like Column and you know acquiring a bank. There seems to be quite interesting, innovative ways of M and A. Uh, investment happening in the embedded finance space. Who do you think the winners are out of
4: this? You know, I think that we've touched on a couple of important themes. The themes around, are we meeting customers where they are? You know, one thing that embedded finance is not is just affiliate marketing. So I think that what we're really talking about is a fundamentally different way to um, sort of encounter and, uh, and. Execute financial transactions which are important to people and which take place in situ where they are doing something else which is important. And so I think that the winners will be companies that are really providing something which is new in terms of probably, you know, first and foremost, acquiring data from the platforms in which they're transacting in order to make these financial transactions more seamless. Um, You know, this is something which we see with, you know, a company of mine in the portfolio company called Branch, which delivers bundles of home and auto insurance uh, in a variety of different places, you know, where people buy mortgages or where people buy cars, you know, the places where it's actually really fundamental to the transaction that the person wants to do to acquire an insurance product because it's required by law. Um, And what they can do, which is really interesting, is there's all of this uh, ambient data that's sitting on those platforms, which can help inform underwriting decisions and pricing decisions. And they can provide, you know, a binding quote to customers right there where they need it. It's, it's, you know, very often the lowest price that they could get. And it's, um, really, you know, developed in a way, which is very, very fair. So I see, um, you know, companies like that, which are cracking both a technological nut, you know, performing superior underwriting and uh, integrating effectively, uh, you know, via API typically. But, you know, perhaps there, there are other integration methods which are seamless for end customers to be the potential winners. You know, you brought up the topic of companies acquiring each other or acquiring banks. I think that one side note, you know, this current cycle that we're in, this macro moment, will probably present numerous opportunities for companies to both acquire and be acquired. And I think that this is something which is going to probably accelerate the embedded finance trend, um, you know, in, in, let's say over the next 12 to 18 months.
0: Absolutely. Let's move on to the next segment, which is taking a look at you know, we've looked at the winners and speculated around the winners, and let's look at who's losing from this. So advertising guru Sachi famously said, In order for us to win, someone else has to lose. So, having laid out the wins of embedded finance, it's time to ask who who could be losing here. Um, so, if, if embedded finance lets everyone, you know, from Airbnb to Walmart to become a financial service provider, uh, really, what's is there is there a downside here, Annabelle? Um, I'm going to come to you. Who are the the people struggling the most with with the rise of embedded finance, and, and do you see uh, from where you're sitting?
3: I would disagree with that um, comment because what embedded what embedded finance Bring it's to all of us is, is the possibility to increase the piece of the pie is to have a, a, a bigger cake. Uh, and, and what I like from the embedded finance is that everyone can win if they are uh, put in place the right strategy and the strategy, um, requires two main ingredients, uh, clear, uh, objective um with market um a bank or a fintech wants to uh, pursue and 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 having the right tech stack that will help to um the the particular uh, financial or payment provider the ability to follow the data and follow the money because embedded finance it's extremely correlated to value chains so if you if you if you have a right value chain uh, and you can start to incorporate multiple APIs from, from different partners and being able to digitize that value chain. And, and, and again, um, the bank who provide the licensing or the access to their, the payment or banking rails is going to win. The, um, any in the process that uh, participate as a distributor or aggregator or intermediary is going to win. And at the end, the, the consumer is going to win. So embedded finance is always perceived as a more um, an approach uh, towards consumer, but I do believe that it's extremely important on the B2B and the B2B to C to X space. So um, we always try to streamline processes and ensure that we, um, as a technology provider, we are fulfilling most of the APIs needed to streamline that process, reduce the time to delivery, and of course, ensuring scalability and security all the time
0: I'm going to hang on something you you talked about which is the value chain. <clears throat> Mark, I'm going to come to you about this cuz I feel like you might have some insight into this. So, when you talk about the value chain, the increasing of the size of the pie, Mark, do you see any players who may come into the space or who already or maybe even exist who have dominated that value chain and have left no room for anyone else? Is that do you see a future of that? Do you see that right now? Is that is that something um, you know, you, you predict to happen in the future? That's
1: a great question. I think You know, you you use the word dominate and I think that's an interesting word because to me it says like who is the who's the Amazon of something or or the Walmart, right? And I don't think we've seen that in financial products and services, like really. And keep in mind, like I, I keep in mind I'm very I'm coming from like a very US centric view of the world, right? And that's very different than like, I don't know, my friends north of the border in Canada, right? Where there's only a handful of banks, right? And yes, you know, so there's like 5,000 banks and another 5,000 credit unions, right? Um, there, there really is no dominant player here. But I think what's what's interesting to think about is I think you can have, you know, if you flip the word dominant on its head, it's more like who's doing the best, right? It's like who is best engaging a user with a specific thing, and I think you'll have let's let's call them dominant players in certain parts of the value chain. Like one thing that sticks out to me is um, is like embedded lending. Um, I don't think we've really seen an embedded lender like crush it, if you will. But when I think about the opportunity for embedded lending, and you know, picking up on some of the things that Annabelle and Ruth have articulated, right? It's it's using the data that these companies already have on their user base to provide a better experience for them and that may be around a specific vertical like i can imagine an embedded lender specializing in ag lending you know i'm a person from the midwest in the united states a farming community in iowa like there has to be someone who can come up with like more you know uh, more efficient ways to lend to those customers you know, to me that that sort of thing is is interesting and fascinating. You know, Ruth, uh, you know, I know you have a few things you might want to say uh, kind of on this general topic.
4: No, I think it's interesting. I think it's super interesting because we talked about a firm previously, and you know for me, the BNPL trend really is um, you know, in one in in some sense an example of an embedded lending trend, which has been extremely powerful. I have a company in the portfolio in Europe, um, which is looking at BNPL for B2B on B2B marketplaces and, you know, the power of embedding those very powerful underwriting models and the ability to um, to lend, or uh, you know, in some cases, I have a, a company in the states called Axel, which is doing the same thing for truckers in in the factoring space. You know, the the ability to be able to integrate those, um, yeah, that those solutions at the point of need. Um, for me, those are really really successful. But I hear what you're saying. There are so many more opportunity spaces where we could be um, deploying financial capital to help people in times of need and and doing it more efficiently.
3: Yeah, I would like to add that uh, the word of dominant player may be uh, differentiated by who's providing the financial or the payment services and who is enabling those services. So uh, uh, we at Novo Payment, we have an approach in which we work at three levels uh, uh, on the data, banking, payment infrastructure, and car solution space. And everything is correlated. So we have been able to streamline those processes to, to an ultimate end in which today we are building entirely neobanks here in the States, in other markets across Latin. So, um, uh, of course, we work that in collaboration with other players that complement um, those processes with the various specialty technologies uh, in areas like AML KYC uh, or um, In some cases, even integrating with uh, other tech provider, general ledger, or digital core. But again, to truly, truly deliver um, an embedded finance, uh, you should follow the the critical processes. If not, it's going to be a disruption or a broken value chain, more than a disruption, I would say.
0: A broken value chain. I like that. Um, Rather than disruption. So... Breaking a a line or a, a, a link in the value chain to, to to enter that space. I mean, so Ruth, I'm going to come to you because you are in the invest, the investment space. So, like we talked about um, earlier about uh, you know the diversification, really of, of and going going more niche and specialized. So, you know, in Africa, for example, where and and time as well. There's quite a bit of diversity of, of embedded finance players who are like tackling like really specific problems like in Kenya and um, Uganda. There's Tugende. Those guys are you know doing embedded finance services to to provide loans uh, for people who dr- ride motorcycles and to allow them to buy bikes and stuff. Um, there's so many you know so many other e- examples. What have you seen in 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 your portfolio? Um, and also what, what 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 do you guys look for in terms of? Um, Embedded finance companies. Are you looking for like people who are going super duper niche, or are you looking for people who can who can be broad um, uh, with, with their offering?
4: Yeah. So I think unfortunately, I'm going to give you a super boring investor answer to this question. You know, we're <laughs> really looking for, <laughs> you know, really phenomenal founders that are focused on big problems, and so those could be super niche, and they could also be super broad. Um, some big problems are super niche. I would say that you know one of the things that I focus on a lot is the risk management space. How do you embed risk management solutions in you know in, in sort of uh, adjacent value propositions? I think that as we have seen over the past you know certainly several years with the pandemic and particularly you know this quarter sort of rejoined by the economic volatility, that risk management is not only something that's sort of countercyclical, It's also something that businesses are really concerned about. And so when we start to think about energy, food security, um, health and safety, you know, how can we think about providing people not only with, um, you know, secure access to those areas, but also how can we help them to protect against downside risk? This is a, a question that we think about a lot. So, you know, focusing on things like, technology that works on protecting balance sheets from climate change. That's something that I've been really, really interested in both in the developing world and the developed world, Um, thinking about uh, health, safety, uh, mobility, all of these topics that feel kind of fundamentally important right now. At the same time, I think, you know, I'm just open as an investor to any new idea um, that really could touch a lot of people and, and could help a lot of people. We certainly have enough problems in the world. Um, so, you know, let's try and solve them.
0: Absolutely. That's a great way to, great, great point for us to, to take a pause on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll uh, be back very shortly.
2: Did you know that the majority of people are investing in cryptocurrency through a taxable account when they could be using an IRA, that's an individual retirement account, and avoiding or deferring those taxes? With Alto Crypto IRA, you can invest in crypto without tax headaches, creating a free account in only minutes. Choose from over 150 coins and invest with as little as $10. That's right, only 10 bucks. No setup charges and no account fees to open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as $10, just go to altoira.com forward slash insider. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com forward slash insider.
0: All right. Thank you. Welcome back. So in this segment, we're going to look at what's next. So what's what's in the future? Um, Ruth, you've mentioned some business models that, that- that uh, Anthemus has looked for in your not so boring actually investor <laughs> response to my question earlier um you know Annabelle, you've you've talked a lot about the the power that that um embedded finance has in in reaching customers uh mark you you've you've touched on on how this works in in the states specifically um w- can we like look to the future? We'll start with you, Mark. What do you think the trend is going to be in embedded finance? So, if consumers benefit, you know, will they even care who provides their banking? Is it, like w- what direction is this going in, Mark?
1: So I think about consumers care about their relationship with the product they're using, right? And I don't so much think about consumers not caring about who provides their banking product or service, you know, same thing with a business, right? Or that business owner, they think about the relationship of the thing that they're using, right? They're thinking about, you know, they want to buy, we talked about a firm, they want to buy a couch from Wayfair, right? And they think about that couch and, you know, the unbundling of financial products and services just creates a better experience for the purchase of that couch. And you can kind of extrapolate that to creating a better relationship with Wayfair um, and a more, you know, good feeling experience as it pertains to that, that part of the journey. Um, and I think that's what embedded finance is all about. It's about people, banks and and, you know, suppliers of financial products and services meeting customers where they are and creating delightful experiences because they can.
0: Um, I think, Annabelle, I'm going to come to you with regards to Nova Payment specifically and, and your experience. What do you see uh, embedded finance unlocking in the markets that you you work in? Like, what what do you see as, uh, you know, like, I'll just, I'll paraphrase what Mark said earlier. You know, people don't want a, 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 to smooth their payments or a loan. They, they want to buy a couch, right? Like, it's simple as that, coming to the user, what, what users want. From your perspective, Annabelle, what else does this unlock, specifically in the markets that you work in?
3: Well, uh, I think embedded finance brings to the end customer the power to consume financial services on demand, on their terms, uh, where, when they they need it. Uh, it's not I need to have a pre-approved credit line or access to a specific type of product in order to uh, later go on and make a transaction. It's all the way around. And from the B2B perspective, it's exactly the same. I mean, how from the cash and, uh, and expense management perspective, a corporation is capable to consume financial services uh, in the way that better serves their processes, their uh, business processes. And as a consequence of that, um, uh, help and support their all their stakeholders including employees um, uh, vendors uh, providers uh, all the all, all those um, uh, um, clients that they uh, serve and 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 because there's huge companies and in particular in the marketing in which we operate a uh, huge government that touch um, and customers in a way that they were not able to uh, do it before uh, today uh, we are providing, APIs to government banks, and through that, they are distributing welfare directly to consumers, and they're able to to deliver a different type of uh, welfare programs uh, connected to one single payment credentials. So they're capable to offer to anyone in their respective markets to apply for um, a government subsidy without the need of going to a government office. So that that's the beauty of embedded finance that you can you can um you can uh, find the uh, the right products and services through different uh n- and non-traditional touch points and helping the consumers to impact better um th- their life and to have a better quality of life I think.
0: Absolutely I like I like that. yeah you kind of touched on financial inclusion I think Ruth what else do you see what other emerging trends or business models or or types of engagements with with, with uh, embedded finance um, platforms? Do you see in, in your portfolio in in the you know the conversations you're having, uh, or even any predictions that you
4: might have uh, of embedded finance? Sure. So I think that if you really start to consider the financial services elements to any business, you can find an interesting embedded finance case anywhere. There's a company that I've come across recently, a company called Poppy, which has built basically the smoke alarm of Covid. So it's a sensor that sits inside of built environments and understands airflow and detects pathogens and really helps um people keep spaces safe. And there, for me, you know, when I see something like that, of course, it's super interesting because, we're living through this insane pandemic. Um, and there's a strong will to help people to return to work and to allow people to work together in in office communities. Um, but you know, there's also a, a, a dramatic opportunity for the insurance industry, which was really unprepared. Pandemic insurance was really sort of not where it needed to be and misunderstood. You know, business interruption insurance, there are a lot of disputes and claims that are going to kind of go on for years to come about whether or not policies should cover pandemic-related business interruption. And so when you start to think about, you know, this, this very interesting and slick device um, providing the opportunity to, much like kind of cyber insurance um, devices, you know, prevent attacks and prevent business interruption... Um, I think that you start to see all of these kind of financial services dimensions to products which feel like they really belong to other realms. And so this is something that we'll continue to look for, right? We'll really continue to look for those super interesting, really uh, inspired founders who are kind of have an infectious passion for what they're building and where there is um, a financial or risk management solution that can empower that business even more?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that you you touched on here is about, um, you know, some of the opportunities that have been born out of the pandemic. And, you know, specifically, I'm thinking about, um, you know, some of the folks that are essential service providers and all of the opportunities that you might have to better create financial products and experiences for them, whether that's like, you know the the person who works at a grocery store and you know has a you know maybe traditionally un- unbanked or underbanked like it's it's those sorts of embedded finance experiences that i i think are really exciting and create better you know better interactions better better lives and and better ability to to do things and i think it's exciting to think about some of these trends exactly as you're saying Ruth like come together in ways that we might not have fully appreciated, you know, uh, a couple, three years ago.
0: Yeah. All right. On on that note, let's uh, let's go around the panel real quick. Just a a quick round. Um, Any advice you have for potential founders um, or builders in the embedded finance space? Uh, Just Mark. Yep.
1: Happy to go first. Uh, (laughs) The broad question to end uh, and end our time. Um, I just say, think about what your, your strengths are. There's a lot of like hidden assets. And and I think one of the, both (laughs) the up and downsides of this are, it's such a massive, massive opportunity. Think about what your unique strength is or what your, your unique asset might be, or what unique connection you might have. And how can you leverage that to best engage a specific type of audience?
3: Cool. Thank you. Annabelle? It's a very simple advice follow the data, follow the money. As you identify the flows, uh, you will be able to uh, figure out a formula, your own formula, to transform a specific a market and to really challenge the space and, and disrupt the, the particular program or, or business that you're interested in, in to be in.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Ruth?
4: Yeah, I think... Uh, embedded finance sometimes feels like a distribution hack. And in its most powerful cases, it can be. And as we know, distributing financial services products is extremely expensive. Customer acquisition, you know, direct customer acquisition tends to be um, extremely expensive. But I think that the downside of kind of distribution partnerships and really integration partnerships is that you are going to lose some of the control around how quickly you get to market and how your product appears to the end user. So I think sort of really clarifying how the embedding is going to work and on what timeline um, is incredibly important if that's going to be the strategy that you're going to market with and and ultimately bringing to investors.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. So, We could go on and on about this. I think this is a panel of of real embedded finance nerds, but we've got to wrap up our discussion, unfortunately. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, Where can people find out more about you and your companies? We'll start with Annabelle.
3: Well, we are um, in Miami, Florida, a beautiful destination, uh, not only for uh, leisure, but also for any uh, fintech entrepreneur that wants to expand globally. Also on our website, uh, uh, AAP, uh, Fintech, and Twitter. I can also give you my phone numbers you need so we can uh, uh, WhatsApp anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, op- op- open to host you and any question to uh, any um, entrepreneur about um, how to incorporate financial services into uh, uh, new value chains or enter into LATAM or uh, LATAM to the U.S., more than welcome to, to help and support.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much. Mark? Yeah, you can find more out about Treasury Prime at
1: treasuryprime.com. And I'd also like to point out that Treasury Prime really started to hit an, its inflection point early in the, in the pandemic, and we're fully distributed. Our headquarters is in San Francisco, but we're distributed all throughout the U.S., So, uh, you know, if you're an engineer or someone who wants to manage relationships or build cool financial products or services, you know, and you're based in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, great. Come talk to us. Come visit us. Um, There's a lot of cool opportunities, um, you know, uh, at Treasury Prime.
0: Thank you so much. And
4: Ruth. Yep. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is Fox News. F-O-X-E underscore news. <laughs>
0: sorry. <laughs> sorry, that's, that's such a good. great handle. That's oh my good. goodness, sorry. <laughs> that, that caught me off guard. Thank you. Sorry, uh, Ruth, carry on. Where else can people find more about you and Anthemus? Sure, you can go to Anthemus.com as well love it oh my god Ruth you're amazing all right and as for me you can find me at 11fs.com if you look up our adventures uh fscom forward slash ventures lots of cool stuff going on there and uh yeah on Twitter as well at, at Notguera. guerra uh, so thank you so much for listening if you'd like what you've heard please do subscribe to our podcast and do not forget to leave us a review it really does help make the show better and helps other people find the show um so as always if you want to join into the conversation you can find us on social media just search for 11 or Fintech Insider, or you can just simply email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you to my panel. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye.